Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and 2022 starts the third year of this podcast and corresponding blog. I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament prophets, revealing how Bible prophecies that were written 700 years before Christ predict not just what was going to happen back then, but what happened when Jesus came. They even predict the end times and last days that are coming true right now. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Hey, new year, new life. Let's dig in. Ezekiel chapters 6 and 7. Shameless sinners beware. Nothing will save you on the judgment day of God. It amazes me how the sins that God detested back in the Old Testament run rampant in today's world. In these next two chapters, God has Ezekiel turning to the mountains of Israel and preaching to them. Why? Because the Israelites that are already in exile in Babylon aren't listening to him. God condemns sinners unless they repent. That's rather simple. Unfortunately, people are so attached to their sin, they can't see the light. They're so deep in the darkness of the world and they love it more than they love the light. Let's dig in and see what God has to say to us through Ezekiel. Ezekiel 6, Judgment Against Israel's Mountains. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, turn and face the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Proclaim the message from the sovereign Lord against the mountains of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and the hills and to the ravines and the valleys. I'm about to bring war upon you. I will smash your pagan shrines. All your altars will be demolished and all your places of worship will be destroyed. I will kill your people in front of your idols. I will lay your corpses in front of your idols and I will scatter your bones around your, around your altars. Wherever you live, there will be desolation. I will destroy your pagan shrines. Your altars will be demolished. Your idols will be smashed. Your places of worship will be torn down and all the religious objects you have made will be destroyed. The place will be littered with corpses and you will know that I alone am God. But I will let a few of my people escape destruction. They will be scattered among the nations of the world. Then when they are exiled among the nations, they will remember me. They will recognize how hurt I am by their unfaithful hearts and lustful eyes that long for their idols. Then at last, they will hate themselves for all their detestable sins. They will know that I am alone, that I alone am the Lord, and that I was serious when I said I would bring this calamity on them. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Clap your hands in horror, stamp your feet, cry out because of all the detestable sins the people of Israel have committed. Now they are going to die from war and famine and disease. Disease will strike down those who are far away in exile. War will destroy, destroy those who are nearby and anyone who survives will be killed by famine. So at last, I will spend my fury on them. They will know that I am the Lord 
when they're dead lie scattered among their idols and altars on every hill and mountain and under every green tree and every great shade tree, the palaces where they offered their sacrifices to their idols. I will crush them and make their cities desolate from the wilderness to the south to Ribla to the north. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 7, the coming of the end. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Israel. The end is here. Wherever you look, east, west, north, or south, your land is finished. No hope remains, for I will unleash my anger against you. I will call you to account for all your detestable sins. I will turn my ears away and show no pity. I will repay you for all your detestable sins. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. Disaster after disaster is coming your way. The end has come. It has finally arrived. Your final doom is waiting. O oh, people of Israel, the day of your destruction is dawning. The time has come. The day of trouble is near. Shouts of anguish will be heard on the mountains, not shouts of joy. Soon I will pour out my fury on you and unleash my anger against you. I will call you to account for all your detestable sins. I will turn my eyes away and show no pity. I will repay you for all your detestable sins. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who is striking the blow. The day of judgment is here. Your destruction awaits. The people's wickedness and pride have blossomed to full flower. Their violence has grown into a rod that will beat them for their wickedness. None of these proud and wicked people will survive. All their wealth and prestige will be swept away. Yes, the time has come, the day is here. Buyers should not rejoice over bargains nor sellers grieve over losses. For all of them will, will fall under my terrible anger. Even if the merchants survive, they will never return to their business. For what God has said applies to everyone. It will not be changed. Not one person whose life is twisted by sin will ever recover. The desolation of Israel. The trumpet calls Israel's army to mobilize, but no one listens. For my fury is against them all. There is war outside the city and disease and famine within. Those outside the city walls will be killed by enemy swords. Those inside the city will die of famine and disease. The survivors who escape to the mountains will moan like doves, weeping for their sins. Their hands will, be, will hang limp. Their knees will be weak as water. They will dress themselves in burlap. Horror and shame will cover them. They will shave their heads in sorrow and remorse. They will throw their money in the streets, tossing it out like worthless trash. Their silver and gold won't save them on that day of the Lord's anger. It will never satisfy nor feed them for their greed can only trip them up. They were proud of their beautiful jewelry and used it to make detestable idols and vile images. Therefore, I will make all their wealth disgusting to them. I will give it as plunder to foreigners, to the most wicked of nations. They will defile it and I will turn my eyes from them as these robbers invade and defile my treasured land. Prepare chains for my people, for the land is bloodied by terrible crimes. 
Jerusalem is filled with violence. I will bring the most ruthless of nations to occupy their homes. I will bring down their proud fortresses and defile their sanctuaries. Terror and trembling will overcome my people and they will look for peace but not find it. Calamity will follow calamity. Rumor will follow rumor. They will look in vain for a vision from the prophets. They will receive no teaching from the priests and no counsel from the leaders. The king and the prince will stand helpless, weeping in despair. All the people's hands will tremble with fear. I will bring on them the evil they have done to others and they will receive the punishment they so richly deserve. Then they will know that I am the Lord the end of Ezekiel 7. Key points to ponder. Well, God bears his heart in these two chapters. They are a divine editorial of the dramatizations Ezekiel acted out in chapters 4 and 5. And if you missed those, you can click on over to my blog or, or you know, just listen to the, the, the last two podcasts. Verse 6, 9 is heartbreaking for a believer to read. In the New King James Version, it reads, I was crushed by their adulterous heart. God's heart is broken because the people he loved so much turned away from him and worshiped fake pagan gods. When people today worship themselves, their jobs or careers, other people, celebrities, things like fancy cars or homes, travel, luxuries, philosophies, saints, Mary, the Pope, etc., they are committing adultery against God who gave us the rules to live by. I forgot what those are. They're in Exodus chapter 20. Um, also, Jesus brought them up. He made them into two commandments. And I'll ex I explain what those, how he did that in, in, in a study um, I did. And the link is in my blog and the link to my blog is in the show notes. In chapter six, God mentions detestable sins over and over again. Let's see, what can those be? Hmm, adultery, having sex with someone other than your legally married spouse. Fornication, having sex with someone outside of marriage. Abortion, the killing of an innocent child in the womb because of greed, pride, vanity, and inconvenience. Oh, and fornication and adultery, of course. Then human trafficking, prostitution, sexual abuse child or spousal abuse, homosexuality, and on and on and on. Get the idea? An early church leader once said, idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used and using anything that ought to be worshiped. And that was St. Augustine. Now, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Chapter seven is judgment poetry. 33% of the Bible is poetry, even the passages describing God's judgment. The God who strikes, verse seven, nine in the New King James Version reads, then you shall know that I am the Lord who strikes. Jehovah Naka, that's um, N-A-K-A, the God who strikes. And Pastor Sandy Adams comments, Quote, he's the God who hits, who spanks, who lashes out when needed. You can't just blaspheme God over and over, disregard his holiness and take his grace for granted and expect 
God to just grin and bear it. There's a point when God strikes back to be just. When a sinner strikes God, God has to strike back. And this is what makes his grace so amazing. When God decided to address and resolve the penalties for sin and atone for the sinner, instead of him striking the sinner, God struck his only son. Isaiah 53, four through five in the NKJV says of Jesus, quote, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. The God who strikes became the stricken. The Jews struck him, the Romans struck him. Isaiah says, we struck him too. And here's the irony of all ironies, the stripes we inflicted on him that he has used to bring us healing. Let me say that again, the ironies of ironies. It's the stripes we inflicted on him that he has used to bring us healing. And that truly does make God's grace, amazing grace. And that's Pastor Sandy Adams. And if you wanna listen to his whole sermon on this chapter, you can click on over to my blog. In verse 723, God tells Ezekiel to put on chains to demonstrate how the Jews will be taken in bondage to Babylon, where they'll spend 70 years in exile. You'd think they would have learned from the stories of their ancestors. God brought them out of bondage in Egypt, yet they didn't follow instructions and ended up spending 40 years wandering in the desert when they could have been in the promised land in less than two weeks. Notice that just like back in Exodus, it was a new generation who got to enter the promised land. The same will happen to the Babylonian exiles. Only the young will still be around and return to Jerusalem. We'll get to those stories in Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Solomon's beautiful temple was defiled by pagan idols and later destroyed. That will be shown in a vision to Ezekiel next in the next chapters. Interestingly enough, the second temple, Herod's temple, was defiled by the Romans and destroyed in 70 AD. There will be a third temple which Jews in Israel are ready to build. Likewise, that one will be defiled by the Antichrist. And if you want to know a little bit more about who that's going to be, click on over to my blog. Right now, born-again Christians are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we'll soon be raptured and saved from the coming great tribulation. And again, if you want to know what those are, click on over to my blog. In the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, Jesus will be our temple. If you want to dig deeper on that one, you can click on over to my blog. Verse 727 states that sinners will get judgment according to what they deserve, what we deserve. We, us sinners, that's what we deserve is eternity in hell. That's it. That's what we deserve because we are sinners. We are condemned. Graciously, amazingly, God sent his son to bear all our sins 
and all our judgment on himself on the cross. He didn't have to do it, yet he went willingly. Jesus didn't suffer torture and die so we could have religion. He died so so he could have a personal relationship with you. And he told us in Revelation 3.20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in. What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Are you a born again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please let me know if it helped you. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the thes and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles that would be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times. The last days, the end times, 
but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.